Hands up for a message. It's been um, such a, a great honor to, to walk through this Truth Bomb series. Do you know, this is, this is Truth Bomb number eight. Uh, we've got one more. We're going to do nine. We've got one next week. And um, Matt Beals is coming to share an awesome message with us next week to round it off. So looking forward to that. Pray for him. Cheer him on. It's going to be an awesome way to round up the series. But we've looked at so many different things. And the whole concept of the series is to point us back to God-breathed biblical truths so that as we apply those truths to our lives that we will flourish that life will flow we want to flow that's the whole point God wants us to flow we want to flow we want each other to flow so let's apply the God-given biblical truths to our lives walk them out apply the principles and let's begin to flow so let's go into truth bomb number eight I want to build a picture for you picture the scene here we are in the Garden of Eden. I don't know what that might look like for you, but you make your own picture of what the Garden of Eden might look like. We've got Adam and Eve, and, and they're walking, literally walking in the presence of God, face to face with God, doing life with him. There's total unity, and I love this. There's no covering. Now, covering's obviously physical at one level, but I love it to be metaphorical too. They don't have to pretend and cover themselves over. They can completely just be themselves. There's no opinion. There's no judgment. They can express themselves. There's no pretense in the Garden of Eden. And God says to them, look what I've created for you. Go and explore. Go and have an adventure. Knock yourselves out. Express yourself. There's provision everywhere. There's no tears. There's no jealousy. There's, there's no hatred. It's just this awesome, awesome place. And there in the midst of it all is love. Because God is love. And he's walking with Adam and Eve. And do you know that love needs to express itself? Love needs an outlet. And God chose the outlet of relationship with mankind. And relationship always has to be two-way. And so God gave man, Adam and Eve, an opportunity to express their love back to him. And this is how he did it. He says, I'm going I'm to make a tree. And that one tree, don't touch the fruit from that one tree. Everything else is yours. Knock yourselves out. Enjoy. But by not eating from that one tree, you're expressing your honor for me. You're expressing your love for me. You're showing your respect for me as, as your king, as God, as your creator, as the lover of your souls. It's your way that you can express it back to me. And that's how we will know that we're loving each other. I'm providing for you, protecting you, creating this awesome place for you. And yet you're honoring me back. But here's the thing. They chose something different, didn't they? We know how it pans out. Don't eat from the tree. Shows you honor my kingship. And yet they chose to eat from the tree. Let's read it here in Genesis in chapter 3 and verses 1 through 6. I'll read it to you. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the other wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but you must not... Um, but you must not touch the tree in the middle of the garden, or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit on the tree was good and was pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her. 
and he ate it. See, they chose not to honor God's kingship. They chose instead to feed their flesh. See, they chose it because it looked good. They chose it because it was desirable. They wanted it badly. Then they started saying things like, did God really say that? Surely it doesn't really matter. You know, we could be like God. We could have greater wisdom. We could, we could have our, make our own lives. We, this is a good thing to do. Now, we know the picture there. And I want you to pause just for a moment as I build the platform. Have a look at this verse with me. And this is in Psalms 89 and verse 14. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. They're the foundation of God's throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. You see, God is love. And God never, let me say it again, God never stopped loving Adam and Eve. But the foundation of his throne of of righteousness and justice. There has to be justice. And there has to be right standing between man and God for love to be able to flow. It allows life to flow. And the poor choice they made requires justice. Why? Because it robbed righteousness. Man didn't have right standing with God. Man wasn't at one with God because of this decision. And God's throne is on righteousness and justice. Yes, he's love. But he's seated on righteousness and justice. And that choice they made requires justice. Who wins here? Who who wins in this situation? Well, can I make a suggestion? It's Satan that wins. Satan, the word Satan means adversary. He is the enemy of your soul. He's the enemy of your life. He wants to come and rob you. He wants to come and destroy all the hopes in your life. And he wins here. But you know, for me, I want to be back living at one with God. I want to be in that place of peace and protection. I want to be in that place where life's an adventure, where I can just be me and no pretense. I want to live in that place. And here's the great thing. God wants that too. He wants it for me and he wants it for you because he loves us. See, in that place, I win, he wins, and the people around us win because they get the best version of ourselves. So here's my title today. In truth bomb number eight, turn around, the good stuff's over here. Let's unpack it a little bit. So I've built this scene, I've built this picture, and it's a familiar scene, I'm sure. But I want to fast forward to John the Baptist. Now, you'll find John the Baptist in Luke 3, 3, and he comes out, and he's this unusual guy living in the wilderness and, and living off of locusts and stuff, but he has an authority, and he has an anointing on his life to teach, and he has an anointing on his life to prepare the way for Jesus. And do you know what his message was? Repent! Repent! He says, and he led the way to Jesus, and Jesus came, and what did he say? Repent! Why did he say that? He says, repent. For the kingdom of God is near. You see, the kingdom is where the king rules. Remember Eden? When they honored the king, the king rules. And when the king rules, you get the benefit of the kingdom. There was provision. There was protection. There was unity. There was freedom. There was an adventure. Why? Because they're walking with the king. Jesus says, repent, for the kingdom is near. What's the key and the way back to the kingdom? repentance and you see later on Jesus dies and he rose again and he sends the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit comes and he empowers the apostles and what's the first thing that happens Peter comes out and addresses the crowd and what does he say Acts 2 verse 38 repent 
They keep using this word. There's this theme running through. Can I call it a truth bomb? Repent. Now, I want to unpack it a little bit because what we need to do is make language that's appropriate, make language that people understand and can grab hold of today. And I was having this great conversation with my mum on the phone during the week just discussing how to present this kind of message because I don't want to water it down. I want it to hit us hard and push us where we need to get, but I want us to understand the essence of it. And my mum said, I remember this time when I got a brand new phone. It's funny she said this because both Sarah and I got new phones this week. And when you get a new phone, it's really exciting. You unpack it and you put your SIM in and you, you've got all your contacts on one phone and all your functions and your apps and stuff on one phone. And you can now put them on the other phone just by putting them next to each other. It's amazing. But the thing is, if it comes across and it doesn't quite link up because you pressed one of the wrong buttons, when you start to use the new phone, it doesn't function properly. And it's a bit of a nightmare. And my mum was saying, I remember this time when I got a new phone and I'd, I'd obviously pressed a button wrong and I tried to use the phone and I couldn't get it to work properly. It was a great phone, but it wasn't functioning properly. And the only way to sort it out was to reset to the manufacturer's default mode. She had to go back to the beginning and start it again. She had to go back to the original. She had to reset. And it got me thinking about life. And I wonder how far away from the original mode, from the maker's mode, we've actually come, from his original plan. See, we want the blessings of the king in our lives, but we want to live our own way and then wonder why it's not clicking. You know, we, want to, we don't want the hassle of serving, but we want the blessings of the servant king. We want to live out our romantic relationships according to the principles and thought processes of this world, and then we want the one who created relationship to bless it. You see, we, we want to do things our own way. We want to hold on to our possessions and, and not be generous and hold it to ourselves, but we want the provi providing king to bless us. You see, there's so much cake and eat it. And I wonder whether actually it's time to reset. God wants you blessed, healthy, thriving, happy, satisfied, just like in Eden. So my first question to you today is this. Is it time for a reset? Is it time for a reset? This word repentance, it's not a word we use today, but it's a good word. Do you know in Greek, the word repentance means change your thinking. And in Hebrew, it means something slightly different. The word in Hebrew for repentance means to turn around, or even better, to return. And the truth is this, that when you combine both those meanings, you get the more fuller picture of the word repentance. Repentance is not saying sorry. Sorry is a great thing. It's a great starting point. It shows some intent. It shows you a heart. Sorry is a good thing. We preached only a couple of months ago about the power of a sorry. And sorry is good. But here's the thing with sorry. You could come into my house and leave the door wide open. I could say, could you shut the door? You're letting the cold in. And you'd go, oh, sorry, and close the door. The next time you come around my house, you're just as likely to walk through the door and leave it open again. And I'll say, close the door. And you'd say, oh, sorry. And do it again. And the next time you come around my house, because you're on your own little world, you walk in, leave the door open, and I'll go, close the door. And you'd say, sorry. And the reality is this the heart is saying sorry, but sorry doesn't change very much. You see, repentance is a game changer. 
Because repentance isn't an emotional thing. Repentance isn't something where you're up and you're down and you're feeling it and you're not feeling it. Emotions are all over the place sometimes. No, no, no. Repentance is a thought process which outworks itself in an act of your will. It's a choice based on a thought. It's a change of mind that is so powerful, it causes you to turn around and live differently. You see, if you came in my house and opened the door and truly repented, you wouldn't do it again because you thought, that's not the right thing to do. This is Barry's house. He doesn't want to let the cold in. Next time I come here, I'm going to behave differently. I'm going to think it through. So when I walk in the door, I'm going to close it and I'll look up and go, awesome, thank you. Now we're at one. Can you see the difference? Sorry's good. But repentance isn't an emotional thing. Repentance is a change of mind which results in a change of lifestyle, a change of action, a change of habits, and it has a different effect. I love the whole concept of salvation. It really inspires me, this idea of being set free from the things that have hindered me, being set free of my baggage. And it's not a one-time thing, it's a continuous thing. It's the whole idea that this time next year, I want to be a better person than I am now because God is committed to my salvation. He is continually getting me free from my stuff, from my history, from my bad choices, from my lack, from the things that have been said to me. He's continually getting them off me. It's my salvation and I'm working out my salvation because I'm going to become a better person. And every day I want to be a little bit more like Jesus and completely free of my stuff. It's salvation. But salvation can't truly happen without repentance. Otherwise, you get this thing. I want to be free of my issues. I want to be free of my hurts. I want to be free of my bad attitude. I want to be free of my lack. I want to be free of all these things that have hurt me and hindered me. But I want to carry on living the same. Come on! It can't work that way. I want to have a different experience, but I just want to do the same thing. We can all see that stupid, yet how often do we actually live like that? You see, repentance has to come before salvation. Look at this. In, in Hebrews 6 and verse 1, it says this. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God. You see, in Hebrews 6, right there at the beginning of the chapter, it lays down six foundations for Christian living. It's absolutely brilliant. I'm not going to unpack them. You can go read them in your own time in Hebrews 6. But the first foundation of the Christian faith is repentance. It's this whole idea of changing my mind, thinking differently, turning around and living differently. And I won't get it right all the time, but God's got grace for me. And so I turn around and I start to do it differently. You see... John the Baptist said, repent. Jesus said, repent. Peter said, repent. It's this idea of changing your mind, turning around, because the way you are living is killing your life. And God is committed to you succeeding and flowing and flourishing. You see, a building can only ever go as high as its foundations allow it. And so if you're building a life, your foundations are going to determine how far you'll go. And without repentance, your building will be wobbly. And we don't want that. It leads to questions. Have you really taken yourself off of the throne to submit to Jesus being on your throne? 
Have you really started to get your focus off of you and onto him and said, I want to honor you. I want to live your way. There's all these different opinions and attitudes around me, but I want to do it your way. It might mean me tweaking how I'm living, thinking slightly different. It might challenge me a little bit and be a bit uncomfortable, but I know this, it will lead to life. You see, why bother? Sometimes you think, well, what's the point? Well, I'll tell you why. Because it's kingdom living. And the kingdom life is the fullest life. The kingdom life is where you're walking hand in hand with the king. The kingdom life is just like Eden where he says, I've got you. I'm providing for you. I'm taking you forward. I've got a plan for you. I'm going to protect you. And you can be you and express yourself. It's kingdom living. I like the idea of this thought process There's so often when we have a choice to make, we will often think, how will this affect me? But could we challenge ourselves to ask a different question? When we have a choice to make, could we think, how would this reflect Jesus? Because it's a completely different thought process, and it will cause us to walk out a different kind of lifestyle. And I believe, God will bless it. Probably the greatest story linked to repentance would be the prodigal son in the Bible. You know, I think probably it shouldn't be called the prodigal son, but it should be called the loving father. But watch what happens. You may know the story or be familiar with it, but let me unpack it a little bit. You have this lad growing up, becoming a man, and he lives with his wealthy father, who, and they farm land, and they've got property, and they're successful, and he's got so much at his fingertips, but he knows he's due an inheritance. And he goes to his dad one day and he says, Dad, I've had enough of all this. I think there's a life out there for me. I think there's, I'm missing out on some stuff. I want my inheritance now. And so his dad says, okay, you can have your inheritance. And he gives him his inheritance, a vast sum of money. And he goes out to make the life that he believes is going to be good. And he lives the life of a party animal. He goes out there and does all the obvious things, I'm sure. And he lives it up. And he calls that living. But who knows that living that lifestyle is okay for a moment. It pleases you for a moment. It satisfies you for a moment. But in the end, when it all comes down to it, it's empty. And he has this realization when he's spent all of his money, when he's blown it all, when, if I can use the word, he's peed it up the wall. I know you all know what I mean when I say that. He's got nothing. And he reflects. And this is what he reflects. In Luke 15 and verse 18, he says this. This is what I'm going to do. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. What does he do? He has this lifestyle which he thought was going to be great. And it wasn't as fulfilling as he thought it was going to be. And he stops and he remembers his father. He remembers the life he had. And he thinks about it. And he turns back. He returns. He changes direction. Can I put a different word around that? He repents. It's repentance. It's coming to the place of this isn't what I hoped for. There's a better way. And he turns back and goes back to his father. Has his dad stopped loving him? No. In fact, his dad loved him so much, he gave him the freedom to make a poor choice. Does it ring any bells? I picture the scene like this, that there's his dad sitting on the porch of his property, thinking about his son. I hope he's okay. I wonder what he's up to. 
I hope he hasn't got himself in some bother. I love him. I wish I could see him again. I'm sad without him. And then one day, one day, he spots the shadow. He sees his son coming in the distance. He sees his silhouette. It's my son. There he is. He's coming back. There's my son. And this is what the Bible says happened. Luke 15 and verse 20. So he got up and he went to his father. This is the son. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. You see, the father wasn't angry with the son. He always loved him. But he loved him enough to give him free will choice. And even when he made a bad choice, he still loved him. But it took repentance. It took the son to come to a realization, I've missed it. This isn't what I hoped for, to turn around and come back with his tail between his legs. But his father wasn't worried about the tail between his legs. He was just happy to see him. And he hugged him and he kissed him. And the word says he put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet and a robe around him. He welcomed him back into family. Because the father knew all along that I can provide for you. I can have got a great future for you. You can be you in this environment. This is the kingdom. This is my place. There is hope here for you. And I love you. And we can do this life together. What happens? His dad brings salvation. He positions him for a better future. He gets him free of all the hurts, of, of the frustrations of what he's been through. And he says, it's okay. We're doing this together now. To get to salvation, there had to be repentance. And it's not saying sorry. It's a change of mind which causes to a turning in life and a different lifestyle, doing things different. It leads to salvation. Earlier in this message, we talked about this whole idea of, the, of a need for justice. Now look at this. In Romans 4 and verses 24 to 25, it says this. But also for us to whom God will, cre uh, will credit righteousness for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Are you picking up some of the words here? Jesus is God's answer to this problem. When we believe in Jesus, we are justified by faith. God loved us so much that he put it right. He gave us this opportunity to say, that's where I want to be, back in relationship with you. We just need to believe it. You are justified because you believe in Jesus. Now you have right standing with God. You see, you have righteousness and justice. And when there is righteousness and justice, you have access to the king on the throne who is love. Love will always flow where there's righteousness and justice. And so that positions us in exactly the same place as Adam and Eve. There they were, walking with the King of Kings, the creator of heaven and earth, who says, I've got this vast place for you to explore. I've got plans for you. I've made you on purpose, and you haven't got to pretend to be anyone else. Don't cover yourself up. You be you. Let's do this life together. Let's have an adventure. But I need you to honor me. And so our choice is the same today. Do we honor God or do we honor our flesh? Do we respect him or do we respect the world? Do we long for the life he could offer or do we long for the life the world could offer? 
the choices are exactly the same today. And so can I challenge you, question you, get you thinking, is it time for a reset? Is it time to fully, in my notes I've got fully in capitals, is it time to fully put Jesus on the throne of our lives? And that will mean us stepping off of the throne and making it less about us and all about him. It will challenge our thinking and it will cause us to behave differently. And as we turn away from some of the thought processes we've had, as we turn away from some of the lifestyle habits we've created, as we turn away from the things that are just about us and start walking towards him, that is repentance. And as we live that lifestyle, we honor God who sits on the throne of our lives. We are justified through Jesus. We have right standing with the Father because of Jesus. And now we have access to the Father, to the King of Kings, who is love, who has always wanted you to succeed, who has always had a great plan for your life, has always wanted to protect you, has always put greatness on the inside of you and just wants to bring it out. But we so often, guys, have made terrible choices. So today needs to be the day for you Wherever you've stood in faith in your journey of life, today is the day for a reset. Today is the day to say, Jesus, I'm making it fully about you. Here's your truth bomb. You really want to live in the full blessings of heaven? You need to reset to the maker's original mode. You've got to get back to the beginning, walking hand in hand and honor with the Father. I hope there's an amen in the house. I'd love to pray for you. Father, as I've unpacked that, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would just land in people's thought processes. Holy Spirit, that you would touch hearts and minds. That we would fully grasp this idea of repentance, this thinking differently, this turning away from and living differently, this putting you on the throne, this honoring of you, this not making it about us and making it all about you. Because we know that your plans for us are good. We want kingdom living. We want the benefits of the kingdom. So we position you as the king of our lives. Lord, we say sorry, because that's our heart. We say sorry for where we've done it wrong. But we're not just going to say sorry. We choose to repent. We choose to reset. We choose to line our lives up with the way you call us to live. And as we do that, we fully expect the flow of heaven in our lives. Thank you that you love us, Father. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, if you amen to that, pr- to that prayer and that was special to you, I just know something significant happened in your world. So get in touch with us. Let us know how you're doing. Maybe you're someone who today has been walking with Jesus and you've been a bit lax with it and today you've said no come on I really mean it today let us know let us walk out together this is a great topic to have a conversation about in connect groups join one let's unpack it together because we want to be fiery lordship of Jesus kind of Christians that are here to bring heaven to earth that are here to love some people with power and authority come on this is an exciting time to be alive this is an exciting time for the church and this is an exciting time for us to see the best version of you God bless you have an awesome week